Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I am your host, as always, Alan Ramich, coming at you with two guests, two very awesome guests. I'll introduce the first one to you. He is new to the Lakers Side Chats, but he is a long-time um, supporter and good guy. I'm sure most of you follow him on the timeline on Twitter. My man Kolb, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? I'm good, my brother. Thank you for having me on for the first time. I'm excited, getting ready to talk about the Lakers and the Trailblazers. And once again, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. And the second guest, um, I think he's the most frequented guest on the chat. So, you know, he's always more than welcome. I always joke about that he's basically my co-host at times. Uh, Jabari Davis, the OG of Lakers Twitter. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, did I just get hit with the OG on there? I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate being on with you guys today. Uh, let, let, you know, when I, when I, when I organized to record today, um, I, I completely slipped my mind that it was Kobe's birthday. So I feel like before we go into Lakers talk, um, me and Jabari, we talked enough about Kobe. And Kobe, whenever someone new comes on the pod, I was thrown with a cold cut question. I never asked him beforehand. I want to hear what your favorite Kobe moment is. Favorite Kobe moment. Honestly, man, got to be game seven, 2010 finals, when he, he got the fifth chip. Mostly because, just quick story about that, I was watching in my house. My whole family's there, and the Lakers were down at half. And I was, like, super dejected. I was, like, super sad. I was like, man, Kobe can't lose to the Celtics again. I was actually about to stop. I was about to stop watching the game because I got so nervous. And my cousin was like, man, you watch every single Lakers game that comes on TV and you go stop to watch, you go stop watching now in the finals. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stick it out no matter what happens. Ron Artest comes save today. Kobe gets, Kobe gets chip number five. And you could just tell it just meant the world to him. So that's definitely my favorite Kobe moment. Uh, that's an awesome one. And yeah, Barry, we touched on it before we started recording. Um, today was the first big Kobe thing that's happened, and you, you touched on it, and I just want you to talk about it. It's the first time I felt since the passing, the untimely passing of Kobe, that um, I don't feel sadness. I feel happy to celebrate his life, and I'm sure you, you, you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, like and, and like you, this was this was that first time. Every other time, you know, when he would come up on the timeline or when people would share the clips or, you know, whether it was a story or anecdote or whatever the case may be, there was always that feeling of, oh, man. But today, you know, like you and as we discussed before the show, it was just as soon as I saw the content, it was a, for whatever the reason, it, it, you know, that 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 switch had been flipped. And, it, and now I'm, I'm ready to celebrate him. So perfect timing, you know, kind of as you mentioned, and uh, you know, I'm happy to be you know happy to be on with you guys. And it feels very weird to say at the end of August, beginning, almost beginning of September, that we have playoff basketball to talk about. And our <laughs> Lakers are the number one seed. And, you know, they are they are um, now currently 2-1 ahead in the series against, you know, the uh, overmatched, um, the number one seed that should have been Portland Trailblazers. Yes, the slander is flying today, guys. Um I'll throw it to you first, Jabari. Um, what have been some of your main takeaways from this series so far? 
Um, how do you feel going into the rest of the playoffs? I know Game 3 um, it, it has changed a lot of people's opinions. Not ours, but a lot of other people's opinions about how they view the Lakers. So I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I looked at Game 1 and all of us were overreacting and you're, you're to a varying level. Uh, you know, oh my goodness, and, you know, doom and gloom. Look at what Dame can do. It's like it's like I saw some of that reaction and I and I kind of laughed about it because it was like, yo, did you not know what Dame was about before coming into this series? Like, did like is, is any of this a shock to you? Uh, so for you know, for me, obviously the Lakers have been able to turn things around over these last two games, and in particular in in the third game, what it showed me is just as simple. And we talked about this. If LeBron James is playing like LeBron James and Anthony Davis is as aggressive as he, as he was, especially in the second half of you know like uh, of Game Three and and pretty much all throughout Game Two, the Lakers are good. The Lakers, I mean, and, and when I say good, I'm not talking. I mean, actually, I'm fine with them. I, I it doesn't matter what the matchup is. It doesn't matter you know who the opponent is before them. If those two guys are playing that way and you just get timely contributions from everybody else, I feel confidently about them. You know, no matter what the you know no matter what the you know situation is. And Cole, I'll throw it to you. What's been your main takeaway from the series so far? How are you feeling about not just the Lakers' chances in this series? Because I feel like Lakers in five was the most common prediction before this series started. Um, how do you feel about the Lakers' chances going forward after seeing three games of the Lakers actually being locked into the bubble so far? So, I guess kind of... The- piggyback off what Jabari was saying my biggest takeaway so far from these three games is that the Lakers are going to go as far as Anthony Davis is going to take them uh that first half of game three he did not look engaged didn't look too didn't look too good to start off in that first half the second half he definitely woke up he was taking it to the guys he was putting guys in the rim multiple times he he dunked on a couple I think he dunked two possessions in a row if I'm not mistaken in the second half of game three and He's, to me at least, we know what LeBron's gonna do. He had a really, he had his best. He probably looked the best he's looked in the bubble last game. We know what LeBron's gonna do. We know what his resume is. We know he's always gonna show up in the playoffs when you need him to show up. To me, the biggest takeaway is Anthony Davis has to be the Robin to his Batman. He has to show up every night. He has to do exactly what he did in Game Three and more specifically Game Two in this series. If he does that. And all the other guys just hit open shots, which is something they struggled with in game one and has been corrected since. I like the Lakers going forward. Only team that I would be really worried about if I was them. I would say that the Clippers have been looked kind of shaky. I'm interested in what the Rockets could do. They look good, except for yesterday. So I, I like them going forward against anybody. Uh the team that's worried me the most when it comes to the Lakers is, the. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but let's say a hypothetical we get to the finals. I would not want to see the Toronto Raptors in a seven-game series. Not like, at all. No, no, sir. Like, please, no. Like, let's, let's hope the books handle their business over there. Like, realistically. Yeah, like the, the Raptors pose are going to pose a problem against anybody, specifically because they can guard anybody. They've got length, you know, like at, at pretty much across the board. Uh, they got the two little, you know, two little spark plugs. I call them the Mighty Mouse Twins in the backcourt. That, you know, regardless of regardless of their small stature, they can, you know, they can go out and get you go out and get you twenty a game. You know, they, you know, depending upon the situation, maybe even thirty. 
they all defend. They you know they defend as a unit. They all play hard for Nick Nurse. Yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. I think we're, I think it, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that's going to say that they want to face that Raptors team. And I think going cold. Sorry about that, but when you talk about the Raptors, I think the thing that makes them the scariest team is I think they're the deepest team in the bubble right now. I think every other team kind of has flaws at, at certain spots, whether it be the bench or maybe it's shooting guard, maybe it's maybe it's on the wing, maybe it's a big man. They have contributors at every spot in the roster where you're talking about starters or where you're talking about guys coming off the bench. And I just think that they could throw a multitude of, of different players at LeBron and Anthony Davis to kind of make them work for everything throughout the game. And we've even seen it in – when they played them against, or when the Lakers played them in the, during the seeding games, they just kind of and they play hard, they believe in each other, they have a they're a team that's full of just good to really good, possibly even great players with no real weaknesses. I would much rather they play. I would much rather the Lakers play the Bucks in the finals and then have to play the Raptors. And just to throw it back to the uh, Trailblazers series. Um, I'll throw it to you first, Cole. The biggest takeaway for me with the Lakers and the Raptors has been, I think the Lakers were relying on them playing hard and tiring the Blazers out towards the end, which I feel like is what hap- is, is what has happened. Um, what, what do you think about that? I think towards the end of the game yesterday, towards the end of game three, you really saw Yusuf Nurkic specifically was extremely tired just worn out. He has to deal with Dwight Howard. He has to deal with JaVale McGee. And then he has to deal with Anthony Davis. And he just, he didn't have anything. I think Dame was, I think Dame was two for eight in the second half, unless I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. And they, like, I think CJ, Dame, and Yusuf Nurkic, Nurkic, sorry about that. I think they all played at least 38 minutes a game yesterday. At least mm-hmm. 38 minutes. If they have to put in those kind of minutes and play that long, they, there's no way they're gonna have to be. They're gonna beat the Lakers. Like they're just gonna be too tired. It's, it's gonna wear them down. I wouldn't be surprised if in Game Four, you start to see that a little bit more. You start to see the fatigue mm-hmm. a little set in a little bit earlier, and they just kind of like fall apart by the third quarter. Well, I'll throw it to you. Um, I don't think Jabari. I don't think it was a surprise that Nurkic has looked tired because this is the first meaningful basketball he's played in like 17 months. Um, I feel like it was to be expected. But at the same time, I think Frank Vogel, while he got slandered a lot and, you know, I feel like there was a lot of overreaction. I think Frank Vogel's been very smart this series in playing the two bigs a lot just for the fact that he's tired down their bigs, basically Nurkic, because there's no Zach Collins there. And it's become the Lakers' advantage. And then when he needs to kill the game off, he goes with the AD Keith lineups. Yeah, you know, and, and I was guilty of it too. I, like straight up, I you know after game one, I was asking him about those rotations specifically because I was wondering why he was playing the bigs, you know, you know so extensively, uh, and also because I wanted to see more of AD at the five just in general. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It it it, it has worked to his advantage. Uh, Nurkic definitely, and and just piggybacking on what Cole you know what Cole mentioned, and I believe what you you know, referred to. Uh, down the stretch of that game, Nurk looks fit. He just did. It, and it wasn't just down the stretch. It was like throughout the entire second half. 
Um, so, you know, you know, from a strategic standpoint, I get it. Um, I think depending upon the matchup, we're probably going to have to play AD at the five a bit more. So I actually can appreciate them kind of working their way or building, you know, building up to that, you know, throughout the throughout the course of this series. And obviously, you know, like, you know, like you both mentioned, when it's, you know, when the game's on the line, when it when it you know when it's go time, you see you know, you see what happens. You know, you've already done the damage with Dwight and with JaVale and you know with AD you know in the mix you know throughout the game. But when it's when it's go time, it's AD at the five and let's go. And you know what, the biggest takeaway, and, and you both have talked about this, is um, I know AD had a very shaky game one, but I feel like games two and three, especially the second half of game three, like you guys mentioned. He's playing like the top five Anthony Davis that we signed up for when we traded everyone like last year, all the young players, you know, Byron Kyle Kuzma. And that's another guy I want to touch on, Kyle Kuzma. Um, I know he's not been scoring a lot this series. Um, Jabari, I'll throw it to you this time. I, I've been so impressed with his energy, defensively, how good he's been all bubble, but, you know, it was more specifically this series i feel like he's the guy who was a missing link for the lakers defense which is crazy to say because he provides a defensive edge that we don't have on our roster a really long wing with really quick feet and it's been a real joy to sort of watch Kuz blossom into this like guy who can impact both ends really well i know a lot of people you know enjoy making fun of Kuz, and i get it you know some of the social media stuff is, is silly and all of that but at the same time you know, a 20, you know, 23, 24, 25 year old cat's not doing that for my old self. You know what I'm saying? Um, the truth of the matter is the Lakers absolutely needed him to be the third best player on this on this team in order to make a run. And while, you know, some you know, in some games, if you're just box score hunting, you may not recognize, you know, like all of the contributions he's had. He has been that, uh, you know, you know, he's hit, you know, he's hitting open shots. Uh, he's diving, you know, diving to the bat, you know, diving to the cup, you know, cutting off the back door. But to your point on the defensive end, he has been good. And I actually think it is a testament to kind of the positions that they're putting him in. Uh, if, if you look back on it, the, the times when he when Kuz really, really struggles is when they especially when they put him up against some of the power forwards. And even at times when uh, uh, both the last two coaching regimes have put him, you know, put him in in that center position. He, he's just not a guy that can do that. He's more comfortable playing kind of along the perimeter to, you know, like in general on both sides of the court. Uh, so I, I like that they've been working him in, you know, as a big guard a bit more depending upon the lineup. And I also can appreciate that, like I said, he just looks comfortable. And, and you know, the Lakers need him, you know, need him to continue to contribute that uh, in, in order to be successful. And Cole, I just want to throw it to you. How impressive was Caruso in that second half? I thought, honestly, I thought that finally – AC contributing at a super high level in the playoffs, which I know Lakers fans were, were sort of hopeful that we'd see, but to actually see it in a big-time playoff game is an awesome sight. So Caruso was actually catching a little flack from Lakers fans and just people mm. in general on the timeline just because he was like missing open shots. And if you like kind of what Jabari was saying, if you look at the box score with AC a lot, doesn't always look that impressive. But if you're watching the game, you see that how he impacts the game on the defensive side and usually just hustling and not giving up on stuff. He'll come up with steals. He'll grab offensive rebounds. He'll get an extra possession just because he's given 100% effort. But last game, you, you saw it in the box score, too. He's hitting shots. He had the three straight assists to Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter. He finished with seven assists in the game. Score 12 points. If that's the Alex Caruso that the Lakers can get every single night, and 
they're not depending on him to do that, and I don't expect for him to do that every night in the playoffs. But if he does that every single night in the playoffs, they are going to be extremely hard to beat. He also made life a little bit difficult on Dave in the second half of that game. I don't know if everybody was paying attention, but when he locks in on defense, he, he's a game changer. And he's, he's, he's the guy that, you know, uh, Avery Bradley gets. I think Avery Bradley's a huge miss in this bubble. And I think you know, people forget just how good he's been, especially towards the end of the, um, towards the, the, um, the COVID period where, you know, the, the NBA shut down. Um, the fact that Caruso's been this good against Dame and, you know, mostly Dame, um, I think I think it, it, it proves to us as Lakers, I think it's a vindication, and I'm sure you can touch on this, Jabari, for our belief in Alex Caruso when everyone was just saying, you know, he's a meme, it's this, it's that. No, he's, a, he's an actual impactful NBA player who is really good at his role, and I think that's what Alex Caruso is. Look, I don't care if people don't like Lakers fans celebrating Alex Caruso. Matter of fact, I, I'll celebrate even harder for him specifically because it annoys people so much. The fact of the matter is, if if AC is on your team, you're a happy camper. It, you know, it, it, it's he's not going to be a star guy. He's not going to be he's never going to be a guy that's going to get you, you know, get you 20 a night or even even likely 15 a night. But he's a guy that's going to give you his all. Uh, I would like, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, I would like to, I would hope to see him smooth that shot out a little bit uh, because it, it's a little bit clunky, a little bit mechanical, kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit smoother version of uh, what Blue Edwards from back in the day. It, it's just this just doesn't look great. But I, I say all of that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek because the truth of the matter is. He's, he's going to give you everything you need, you know, in terms of winning plays. So folks may not like seeing it on the timeline, but I'm going to continue to celebrate it because, you know what, that, 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 that's that's how you win a title. You, you surround LeBron and those guys with guys like AC that don't care about the spotlight, the limelight, and just want to serve their role. And just to touch on Bron as well, um, it was I, I was never worried about LeBron um, in, in this playoff series. But the fact that we saw a game like that in Game Three from LeBron James, um, I feel like was huge just for our confidence going forward with the Lakers. Because now that we know LeBron got that in the bag, and I feel like I don't know how you feel, Cole, but I feel like LeBron has another gear or so to go up. I feel like he's still ramping himself up right now. Like I honestly feel like he treated the seeding in games as cardio, and this is his playing time now. So, as somebody who lives in Cleveland, Ohio, and watched LeBron play for the Cleveland Cavaliers for the majority of his life, one thing that I can tell people is this. LeBron does this thing where before the playoffs start and maybe the first round of the playoffs is when he's tuning up to go on the run. So, I wasn't really, I wasn't really super-duper worried more so just like I wonder how long it's going to take him take for him to get into the groove this time because he's older and they had such a long layoff before the before the shutdown happened when he played against the Bucks and the Clippers he looked really 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 good like he was ready to go on the run right then and there the shutdown happened and I think what we saw in the seeding games and let's all the games before game 3 was him just like trying to get his legs back under him just trying to get back in that groove, trying to get back in that rhythm, which all culminated in him having a great game on game three. He was very aggressive. I like it more when LeBron is looking to score 
because I just don't think anybody can stop him when he when he makes his mind up and says, I'm going to go get buckets, I'm going to go get 30, I'm going to go get 40. There's not many players in the league that can stop him from doing that or even make him work. So I think what, what Laker fans are going to see now is him really starting to take over, him really starting to be focused and start giving 100% effort. And ultimately, him and AD, at least in my opinion, are going to lead this Lakers team to a title. Uh I believe that as well, but it sounds really nice to hear after so much um, downtime from the Lakers that basically the first year that we're back, I believe like we should be considered the favourites for the NBA title. I know um, people have been saying the Bucks, the Clippers the entire year, but Jabari, you can touch on this as well. I don't feel like, A, there's anyone who can guard LeBron still in the NBA, which is astounding to me. Like Apart from the Raptors, you just throw random dudes at him constantly. Um and the fact that AD has looked this good, um, it, it really fills me with such optimism that I feel like this partnership still in the coming year or two has another step or so to go up, which is, as a Lakers fan and as a guy who covers the NBA scene, two top five players be this good straight away and then be able to improve as well, I feel like is so good for the NBA and so good for Laker Nation as well. It really is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, when people want, you know, when people are simply tired of saying like, hey, LeBron's the best player in the league or tired of saying like, yeah, he's probably going to get there. I get it. You know, we get bored and we want to see something new. So we sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll just start you know, say, saying a little bit of everything. No, but I actually don't have a problem with, you know, like if, if somebody says, hey, you know, I, I see the Bucks as the, you know, as a favorite. I see the Clippers as a favorite. You know what? It's okay to have a different, you know, a difference of opinion. Ultimately, it's as simple as this: if we both talked around, all three of us, excuse me, have talked around this the entire time. If you have a fully activated and engaged LeBron, and you have a fully activated and engaged Anthony Davis from start to finish, and I, I, I hate to even add that caveat, but you know, we, you know, we, we've seen it, you know, kind of, you know, we've we've seen that that switch go on and off. But if you have a fully activated, you know, do you know, uh, a game out of that duo, I'll take them against anybody. I don't care. Line them up. Let's go. And I feel like that's been the biggest thing in this series. Whenever LeBron and AD have been fully engaged and switched on, like game two, where, where I know LeBron didn't score a lot, but he was fully engaged and you could tell. Um, he, they just blow teams off the park. And uh, Cole, I know we've had a long seven years, but it finally feels good to have a Lakers team that's this good again straight away. And you know what? It's been a long time coming, man. It really has. <laughs> Man, you know what the funniest part was? When they lost game one, Jabari said it earlier, everybody was overreacting. Oh, the Blazers are going to take this to six or seven or blah, blah, blah. And I checked the box score. They missed so many open shots mm -hmm. in game one. And the Blazers only won that game by what, like like nine? Seven. seven they, won that the game, they, won, they won that game by seven. KCP was 0 for nine. Anthony Davis was eight for 24 or something like that. Yep. Danny Green was what? Was he like two of thirteen or something like that? Yeah. If that, if like, if they shoot like that, they'll lose to anybody. Cool. They will literally lose. They will lose to anybody if they shoot like that. That's not gonna happen all the time. Cool. They, they went five for thirty-two from deep in that game and had four consecutive missed free throws with three minutes left from their two main stars and were still a possession within a possession, you know, with a minute left. They only lost that game by seven after having probably the worst shooting performance they've had all season. 
Like this, this Blazer team, they this Blazer team can't keep up with them. I understand people being worried as far as the Lakers defending guards, but the Lakers had a top three defense all season. If I'm not mistaken, they have the best defense in the bubble as of right now. I think James Harden in the next series, I'm just assuming that the Houston Rockets are going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder here. I think he poses a, a different kind of a problem. He's better than Dame. So that's something I would be a little bit worried about as far as can the, can they slow him down. I guess they're going to put Caruso on him. You know, Hopefully he can do as good a job on him as he's doing on Dame. But outside of that, it just really just comes down to can you beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis four times out of seven? I don't think – I don't really see any team that can do it. Well, just going forward, I was going to touch on that a little bit later. Um, but I just want to round off the Portland series before we move on to potentially the next matchup in the uh, in the uh, playoffs for the Lakers, um, which I think will happen which we will find out very soon that the Lakers will be in the next round of the playoffs. And Jabari, how long do you think this series is going? Do you think it'll be five? Do you think it'll be six? Um, do you see Portland getting another win out of the Lakers? Um, how do you I, feel about the series? I, I came in thinking it would be a five-game series. I'm still pretty confident it will be. Would it shock me to see you know Portland string together another one of those games? And it, it, if it coincides with a you know a, a, a poor shooting night across the board from the Lakers, of course anything is possible. I don't think Portland's gonna. You know, I, I don't think like I'm not worried about the series. But you know if they won another game, it it, you know, it wouldn't be you know the end all be all. Uh, but I you know I still feel I still feel pretty confidently it's gonna go five. Uh, Cole, just before we move on to the next, how you how we see the next matchup going, you know, whether it's Oklahoma or Houston, how do you feel about this series? Do you think it'll go five or a little bit longer? I said, I, I said in our guy Ricky's podcast that it was going to be four games, and then the Lakers decided to shoot awfully in game one, and I was wrong. So I'm going to say five, but I will say this. I think Portland understands that their backs are against the wall now. And the Lakers are, are getting comfortable, and the Lakers probably feel like the, the Lakers definitely feel like the Trailblazers are the inferior team, and they don't really have to worry about them that much. So I think they're going to come mm-hmm. out swinging in Game Four. So if Portland does win another game, it's going to be tomorrow. Um, the the only thing I, I agree with you, but uh, I I don't know how you guys feel about this one. I'll throw it to you, Jabari. The fact that they're allegedly wearing the um, Mamba jerseys tomorrow night on Mamba Day, um, I feel like that adds an extra caveat for the Lakers to make them even more um, motivated than they would be usually in a game against a team that they knows a lot better that that, that 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 knows that they're a lot better than the opposition in the Trailblazers. What do you think about that point? Well, I gotta keep it real with you. Sometimes that can work against you. Like you know, like it's it's kind of like on ring night or like on a, mm-hmm. on, a on a significant night. Uh, you know, sometimes, especially like if you're actually playing in front of the crowd and you get it, it's an emotional situation and you're really tied into it, that can actually work against you. I, I'm going to keep it real. This is the playoffs, man. If, if, the, if these Lakers are in a situation where they are not taking it seriously or not taking it like, you know, hey, look, it doesn't matter whether we think we can beat them. We need to go out there and do it. Well, then we probably need to have another conversation about this team. Like, I, I, would, be <laughs> I would be surprised if they don't come out and bring it. No, definitely. And just before, um, I want to touch on the potential next matchup for the Lakers. I'm just sure you guys have been just like me watching all the games from the bubble and whatnot, excluding like the Philly 
the Celtics series or or the Brooklyn Toronto series, which I'm sure you guys have still watched. Um, Jabari, how do you feel about whoever comes out of the Houston Oklahoma matchup? Who would you rather see out of that if you're the Lakers? And are you worried about either in particular, or are you just wary because you know James Harden is a top five player in this league, and you know he he can always bring it regardless of what night he is and what opposition it is. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it right there. The best player in that series is James Harden. You know, it's not a slight to anybody. It's not a knock against anybody. It's just that simple. So uh, if if I'm the Lakers, while I'm not afraid of anybody, I'm not. You know, it's not that I'm intimidated to match up against anybody. If I can avoid going against a, uh, an offensive threat, and I'm not being, I'm not throwing shade right here, but specifically an offensive threat, the likes of James Harden, specifically at a position that you know we don't necessarily have all that many people that could, you know that we would feel as comfortable, you know, throwing at him, I would go with OKC. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I don't I don't see either one of those teams as a true threat to this Lakers team if they're playing well. Cole, I'll throw it to you. Are you particularly worried about the next round matchup? Uh, who would you rather see? I'm sure you'd rather see the Oklahoma City Thunder over the Houston Rockets. Um, but still, I want to get your opinion on both teams, on what threats uh, or how you feel about whether how you'd feel about the Lakers facing either of those. So, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty obvious. I would hope that Oklahoma City found a way to win this series, so the Lakers would have to play them. Because Jay, like Jabari said, James Harden is a top five player in this league. Depending on who you ask, they say he's a top three player in this league right now. He's gonna get his regardless. It doesn't matter who you throw at him. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Who you put on him defensively, he's gonna get. He's probably gonna get 30. If he doesn't get 40, if he doesn't get 50, Lou Dort is doing a pretty good job on him. As far as a rookie or anybody, I think he's probably defended James Harden better than anybody I've seen defend James Harden. As far as a guy just like straight up one on one, he's got this combination of like strength and lateral quickness, and he's just giving James a hard time. The Lakers don't have anybody on the roster who could who could do that to him, unfortunately. So I would much rather they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. But also to echo what Jabari said, it uh, it really doesn't matter who they play. I, I don't see Houston as a team giving the Lakers too much trouble. But a player like James Harden could definitely go off a game or two and then drag that series out. But I still could see the Lakers winning in five or six games. It really doesn't matter. It, I'm sure, you know, me and Jabari recorded many a podcast last year about um... – about the negativity surrounding the Lakers, so I'll throw it to you, Jabari. How nice is it that we can just talk positively about this Laker team and all the things that are coming out of it, man? I, I'm really enjoying it so far, man. Man, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm 41 years old. I grew up in in the Los Angeles area, all you know, in and around. I was spoiled. I, you know, when I was a small child, I had, you know, Showtime Lakers. I had a small, you know, short little, short-lived, you know, rough period after that. Uh, then all of a sudden, I had Nick Van Exel and Eldon Campbell and Eddie Jones and, you know, and, all, and that entire crew. That runs into Shaq and Kobe. I say all of this to say I've been spoiled as hell as a Lakers fan, and I recognize that. So these last seven, eight years, I'm not going to lie to you, that's been rough. It is the best feeling in the world. The greatest feeling in the world, not just to be able to speak positively about them, but also to be able to shoot down all of the little negativity and all the little kiki keys on the timeline. <laughs> Especially, like, I'm sure you feel the same way, Cole, but it, 
as Laker fans, we are spoiled. Like, just straight up. Like, let, I'm, I'm just calling a spade a spade there. The fact that we're back to where we should be, and I say that with all seriousness, where we should be, is awesome. And the fact that people are hating us again just makes it even more beautiful. It really does. Man, my favorite thing on the timeline, and I'm seeing Trailblazers fans do it now, is just them being salty. It's like, oh, the Lakers aren't that good. They'll probably mm-hmm. use, they'll probably lose to Houston in the next round. Like you don't understand. People who aren't Lakers fans will never understand how good it feels again to have people hate us, man. Like I know that's kind of weird to say, but I hated the last seven years where people were like laughing at us and oh nobody's worried about the Lakers and blah blah. blah. I hated that, man. It feels so we, good to just see people be salty again, bro. <laughs> to be relevant. Like it's one thing it's one thing to clown when we suck. It's like okay, yeah, we suck, we know. Yeah, now where where's that energy? They're just jealous, <laughs> and I I get it. It's like people have rooted for teams their entire lives and have never seen them win win an NBA championship. I live in Cleveland. I saw the Cavs win one. <laughs> like, 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 I'm super spoiled. Like, I saw Kobe get five, and I saw one. I was in downtown Cleveland when they beat the Warriors and came back from down 3-1. Like, I've been super spoiled as far as basketball championships go. There are some people who are going to root for an NBA team for their entire lives and never see them win a championship. And we do not relate to that at all. Nope. And I love Shout it. for the Phoenix Suns fans. <laughs> Shout to the oh, Phoenix Suns. Don't do that. You guys stay salty. <laughs> shout, shout to the New oh, Orleans Pelicans fans. Shout to the New this. Orleans Pelicans fans. Thanks for giving us Anthony Davis. Like straight up. Like like. Hey, what up, Timberwolves fans? <laughs> hey, you guys they got the number one Taylor. pick though. Number one pick though. They not gonna do anything with it. All right. <laughs> I, I can't wait until they draft the next version of Andrew Wiggins with that pick. Oh. But that's a that's a, that's 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 a different topic for a different day. Um, but no, on a, in all seriousness, though, guys, um, I feel like as soon as people start dogging on the Lakers, that's how I know the Lakers are really good again. Because mm-hmm. like like you guys said, people are feeling sorry for us, and I can't lie, I didn't like it. Like I really didn't like. I don't want people feeling sorry for the Lakers. We're the people that everyone hates because we ruined your childhoods. And yep. I can't lie, I hope we ruin more kids' childhoods in the next 10 years or so with Anthony Davis. You know, I'm straight up there. Yep. <laughs> no question about it. Like, I don't care about being, the, you know, the bully on the block. I don't mind. I absolutely don't mind. We got, look, the la- basically, let's call the spade. Let's actually call the spade a spade. The last seven, eight years, we got knocked out. We, <laughs> we, finally, we finally figured it out, and we're ready, we, we ready to rock again. Let's go. And I can't wait until Utah gives us Donovan Mitchell, like, straight up. Donovan <laughs> Mitchell and Anthony Davis will be a joy to watch. Isn't that right, Cole? <laughs> hey, man, I'm not even going to lie. I'm already looking forward to next offseason. I'm, I'm thinking, I was like, okay, what, what other star, what other disgruntled star can we steal from a franchise <laughs> if they're tired of playing for? I was like, does Zach Levine want to come play for us? Does Donovan Mitchell want to come play for the Lakers? Like, who's trying to, who's trying to get out and come, come join the winners? <laughs> well, I can't wait until he leaves Baguette Camby over there in Salt Lake City and joins, you know, the best big man in the league. Then we'll finally see what, what the NBA media portrayed Mitchell and Gobert is being. Like, real talk there. Like, you know, they're doing a really good job against the Nuggets, but at the same time, like, 
I'm sure you guys will touch on this. You know, we've gone on a little tangent here with Donovan Mitchell in Utah. But how bad have the Nuggets been in these past two games? Like, hey, man. The Nuggets are frauds, bro. It's, it's time for us to just call it what it is, man. Like, they, like they have a, a collection of talented players on the roster. But nobody that's a true number one. I think Jamal Murray's too inconsistent. And I think Nikola Jokic, I just don't I just feel like he's more of a number two guy. Like if Nikola Jokic is the second or third best player on your team, I think you're in great shape. I think if he's your number one, you're never gonna win a title. Michael Porter Jr. could potentially be the number one guy there. And I I, I think he's gonna be really, really good, like top ten player good. But they gotta mm-hmm. do something, man. They gotta they gotta they're gonna have to trade some guys. Well, I mean, how do you me, feel about that, Sorry. Uh, to me, it's as simple as this. I like Nikola Jokic. I like his little half-court package and all of that good stuff. And in, 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 in a highlight package or like in a random game on a you know Thursday night in March, he looks great. Uh, that's not to say that he, you know, he hasn't also you know produced in the postseason. But I will tell you this. As much as people want to you know get on other bigs and say like oh you know the game's kind of passed them on or like you know like th- their game you know they wonder about how it's going to age I look at Jokic as that as that type of guy as well because I look at him as he looks like a guy that kind of still struggles to move his feet and he's a good twenty to twenty five pounds lighter than I've seen him uh, you know in recent times so moving forward. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to take, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to diminish him and say like, oh, he's, you know, he's not a, you know, a very good player, but I'm no longer going to have this conversation about him being a top five guy specifically because I'm watching what he does in the postseason with other quality players on his team. And I just don't see it. Uh, Jamal Murray, he's cool. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but neither one of those guys are the world are the world beaters that I, that people have tried to convince me uh, you know, like that they are. And you know, it goes as simple as this. I'm not going to call them frauds, but I'm no longer going to just you know, automatically believe in them simply because a bunch of neck bearded people on, on Twitter have told me that I'm silly for not believing in him. As much you, you as we mean, slander Rudy Gobert on Twitter, and we slander Rudy Gobert a lot on Twitter, mm-hmm. as much as we do that, he has outplayed Nikola Jokic so far in this series. Yep. And we, we got to be honest about that. Like I, like I, I'm not going to lie. I slander Rudy a lot. I get my jokes off. You know, nobody's, <laughs> safe, on, nobody's safe on the timeline. We know that. But to his credit, People hype up Nikola Jokic a lot, say he's a top mm-hmm. 10 guy. You know, some people were saying he was a top five guy going into the season. And Rudy has just shut him down and just outplayed him so far in this series. And you can't you can't be a top five guy or a top 10 guy and, and get outplayed this badly. Well, remember when people were saying that Jokic was better than AD? I do remember. Yes. Like, <laughs> saying he's better than AD, Embiid, all the other bigs. Yes. Like that, it's ridiculous to have this conversation, and you know, and I know we, we've gone off from the Lakers, but like the fact that we have AD and I'm watching these other teams um, struggle with their franchise bigs, it makes me very blessed to have Anthony Davis, presumably for the next seven, eight years plus. You guys aren't afraid of him going to Chicago or anything like that? Maybe, maybe he leaves oh, close man. to New York. No. You, you mean you mean you mean you mean going to play with the the world talented uh, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett? You, yeah, hey, you never know, so man. You never know. He might just get tired of LeBron and the Lakers and 
Lakers fans. You never know. You never know what's going on. <laughs> maybe he maybe he goes to the Celtics. You know, I, somebody was saying that he should be looking at the Celtics like he's the missing part of the dynasty over there. Well, you know what? The, when I saw AD posting pictures of uh, sorry videos on TikTok and shit of like him and Laker gear in the middle of lockdown, I was like, yeah, he's staying for life. He's one of us now. <laughs> Look, I, I I'm never going to be one that says, oh, I guarantee something that I have zero control over. But that would be the that would be a shock. That would be an absolute shock if he were to. Now, of course, anything can go wrong. Like anything can happen. Like say. They, you know, they go out unceremoniously and, you know, he and LeBron, like, fight it out right there on the court. Yeah, okay, okay. But since that's not going to happen, I, I just don't see it taking place. I, I don't think you pull the move that he pulled, go through all of that, all that he went through, you know, uh, last season, you know, in, in, you know, in anticipation of the move in order to go ahead and just, uh, you know, take off after a year. I just don't see it. Same here. Same here. I do want to ask you guys a question, though, because this was kind of coming up on, on Lakers Twitter and just mostly because Danny Green was struggling. And you guys know when somebody's struggling or having a hard time, people start talking about, man, we could have signed blah, blah, blah. Man, we could have took that money and got this guy and this guy. Do you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and obviously we're still in the playoffs and things are looking good. Things are looking up right now. But is there anybody... We signed in the off season. You're looking at now is like, man, we should have got somebody else. Rondo. <laughs> uh, Razan Rondo and Danny Green. Okay, like I, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this, but not, neither one of them. Let's just say neither one of them uh, produce at the level that they are being that uh, that that their contract is taking up on the. <laughs> On the books, and I'm being I'm being careful about how I say it because I'm always one that says go get that money if it's out there, keep getting them checks. I just don't want it to be for my team. Well, you know what's funny about that? Rajon Rondo's on a veteran's minimum. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I look. This is the thing. Okay, I, I'm gonna be straight up. You you know I said this last year that when people were saying yep. like yo, yo who's the best player? I was like the best point guard on the team. I was like the best point guard on the team is Alex Caruso, and that's not me hyping Alex Caruso up. That's me just being giving you real facts about you know where these players are at, at this point in their careers. I like Rajon, and I think the team likes him. That's why I think they should have had him as assistant coach Rajon, and not you know taking up 20 to 25 minutes of your rotation, Rajon. Definitely agree with that. Thank God his back started spasming last night. Like, real talk. Like, Rajon, I, I love him as a person, and I hope he never gets injured, and I hate injuries. But, like, I think he saved Vogel from himself last night a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like he was going to play a big role last night. And you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm ready to see assistant coach Rondo. I really am. Since you, since you just brought him up, what's up with Frank Vogel's rotations, bro? Mm-hmm. Oh man, man, this this is is an issue, dog. Like going forward, it's probably not gonna matter because they're playing the Trailblazers, and you know they're gonna win the series. So he's probably just like not worried about it. But going forward, something's gotta give, dog. These teams are gonna get better, and you can't just be like spotting them nine or ten points because you want to play Javale too long, or you you don't want to put Dion in the game, or you want to play J.R. Smith for whatever reason. Like, like, what's what's going on? Hey, I like J.R. Smith, and I and I get you know he's funny on you know, with the memes and all of the little henny references and weed references and all of that. 
But there's a reason why he was out of the league. I'm not saying that, you know, look in, more power to him. Congratulations for being back in. There's a reason why he wasn't on an NBA court for, you know, for a year and a half, you know, almost two years. Uh, at least Dion, while, you know, yes, I get, you know, that you're probably going with JR for, from a length perspective, you know, and you think like, okay, well, he probably has a better shot at defending some of these guys. At least Dion can still get it going offensively. So I, I, for my taste, while I, I always will say this with the caveat of, as much as we talk mess about coaches, they generally have a a better feel for their talent than we do. I still will go. I, I'm saying that to be nice. I still would like to see them make that switch. Throw those minutes towards Dion. See if he can get you going in the, in those uh, in those you know, secondary lineups as opposed to J.R. Smith. At least try that. Cole, but I'll throw this to you. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dion's minutes and workload increase once we get into the second round and the conference finals against the Clippers because. We saw with um, with Dion against the Clippers, Frank played him a lot, and he trusted him. So I'm just hoping this is just Frank sees it as a bad stylistic matchup with the Trailblazers, and it's nothing more than that, because I've been impressed with Dion watching him in the bubble. So if he doesn't contribute at all in the next um, coming series, if we go through the Trailblazers like we expect them to do, um, I'd be worried. I really would be. I'm sure you're the same way. So... My guy Harrison Fagan, you know, legend on Lakers Twitter, what he was saying was the reason that Frank is playing JR, decided to play JR and not Dion, is that he's afraid. He's, he's kind of, he said Frank will never admit it, but he's probably afraid that Dion will get torched by Dame or CJ. And yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't want to put him out there and then watch them, you know, drop 15 points in however many minutes he, he's guarding them. Which would which makes sense. Like it honestly, that does make sense. Playing Jr. as an alternative to me is kind of like, uh, <laughs> like I get it theoretically. Theoretically, it makes sense. In actual practice and actually like on the court, it didn't look good, you know. So hopefully, Dion has an opportunity to play in the next series. Hopefully, he, he I really, really, really need him to play against the Clippers because they need somebody who can do something off the dribble and create off the dribble and just has a pulse on offense. We'll see what happens, but as long as they're winning, as long as they're winning the games, I'm not gonna harp on it too much. But it's definitely something to monitor. And Frank needs to stop playing Javale so many minutes. I, I like 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 we touched on earlier. I'm just hoping it's a case of. He wanted to tire out the Trailblazers by playing the two bigs. And if he has done it, and that's the reason why, and it seems to have been working, um, I respect him. But I also think he's not stupid. Like, we saw against the Rockets that he just took JaVale out the lineup completely. So I'm hoping that if we do face the Rockets, that that will just be what happens. And, I, you know, we, we dog on Frank Vogel, but we also forget that Frank Vogel is a... He never had rotation issues in Indiana. I just feel like he's temping this team up towards the um, the later rounds as well. And you know what? I don't blame him for that at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really don't. I understand why his focus will be, yeah, let's win this series, but also let's not, what's it called, um, worry too much about minutes because we'd rather have AD at the five against the Clippers and Bucks or Raptors or whoever comes out of the East than, let's say, against the Trailblazers and beat them by four, in four instead of, you know, even going five or six, I, I touched on it last week with um, Jason Maples. I'd rather it go six and we conserve AD and LeBron a little bit than go four and then go hell for leather and then potentially burn out before the end of the playoffs. 
Yeah, when it, you know, so yeah, just uh, I guess uh, putting the pin in the you know, or circling back on the Frank thing, I think it's okay to you know to have questions about the you know, about maybe a couple of the different uh, angles or you know, avenues that he's going, uh, but also still acknowledge that I, overall, by and large, he's done a he's done a good job with this group. You know, the, you know these questions are you know somewhat natural at times, and ultimately it may, it may pan out that he was right, and in, 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 in our questions don't matter. Uh, but I, you know, but at the same time, you know, nobody's infall- infallible. I, I, I do agree with you. Um, it, in all likelihood, it's a strategy. In all likelihood, it's it's kind of seeing the forest beyond the trees and getting you know getting ready for that next matchup. As much as we will, comp- I'm sure Lakers fans will complain about the rotations, and I see a lot of people complaining about what's going on with the offense, and some of the complaints are valid. Frank Vogel coached the hell out of some defense, man. Mm-hmm. He can Absolutely. coach some defense, and that defense might just be good enough to carry him to a title, even if the offense isn't good all the time. Which yeah, like it, amazing. let's be real. That's how this is set up. It, like that's one hundred percent how this is set up. Like it, it's it's set up for them to be coached up defensively. Everybody else, you know, play their role. And to be honest with you, you you're there's enough offense built in to where you should be. Like, honestly, the, the the path to the titles is is, is set. Not set like locked in, but I'm saying like it, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear. Defend, defend like hell, rebound, stay in front of your guy, and don't mess things up for LeBron and AD. That's it. That's just let LeBron and AD do what they got to do. Oh, definitely, and I feel like that's a beautiful way to wrap up this podcast, guys. I want to thank you so much for coming on, especially with the playoffs in full swing right now. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, Jabari. Where can all the good people find your amazing work and your brilliant podcast and whatnot? Man, you you are you are far too kind, but I will take that. Um, I'm simple. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, yeah, it's Barry Davis NBA. Um, I have a good time with my you know with my guy Josh Everly on Dunstan Discourse. We do it for you know we do it for the Blue Wire Pods Network. You can find it pretty much anywhere that you can get. No, you can find it anywhere you, you listen to podcasts. So, but thank you guys. I really do appreciate this opportunity. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. And Cole, where can the people find you on the Twitter sphere? So, you know, if you want to give your boy a follow, my at is underscore, 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 C-O-L-B, underscore, underscore, underscore. Hopefully I don't get suspended again, so I have to add another underscore, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. And also make sure you follow Elite and the Elite Media Group. Shout out all of my guys, Trev Trout, Cam, Graz, Josiah Johnson, and I don't want to name everybody because I'll be here all day, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't want to mention Elite until you mentioned it, to be honest with you. So, yeah, um, you guys are doing great work over there. Keep it up. Uh, both of you guys, again, I really can't thank you guys enough for coming on. It, this was a really fun experience, being able to talk about the Lakers again in such a positive light. Oh, no doubt, man. Pleasure, pleasure is ours. Thanks for having me on, bro. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone listening. Be sure to leave my podcast, Jabari's podcast, the Elite Media Group's podcast, a five-star review on wherever you find your um, fix of pods. Um, Be sure to lock in on the Twitter sphere, on Jabari, on Kolb. Thank you again for listening, guys. Stay safe in this crazy COVID world. Take care.